0: Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you this morning. If there are any fifth grade and under left up here, you're welcome to go on downstairs. I know several of them went straight down this morning to work on their practice for bells and for the choir that will be singing in the weeks leading up to Christmas next month. And So it's great to have them downstairs working away. The rest of us, I want us to turn in our Bible to Matthew chapter 15, the gospel of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, as we continue in this series, Real Life, Facing Off with the Giants. In fact, we only have one more week left in the series. Next week, we'll wrap that up, and then we'll begin a brand new series for December and January, and we're really excited about that. Those of you that are watching online, I want you to do me a favor and grab a pencil right now. If you don't have something to write with or uh, use your phone, And hold on to that for a second. One of the things that I appreciate, it's always great to see you guys in the room. And the thing that I love about being able to preach on the weekends with you is to see the look on your face. I like to see you get a good 25 minutes rest. Those of you that close your eyes and doze off, I really do. If that's the only rest you get, I want to make sure it's good. So I'll try to keep an even voice and keep it soothing and calm today. But for those of you who are awake and who engage in what we're learning in Scripture, it's really exciting to see the response on your face, and to see how you're taking all of that in. And I I miss that with those that are online. I'm grateful for our online presence that you can watch during the week, or you can join us right now in your home. But I miss that connection. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down this phone number, And I want you to text me. Now, last night I brought my phone up here and it ended up distracting me because it kept buzzing. But I want you to write down my number, and I want you to send me either a smiley face. If you send me a frowny face, I'm going to call you out. But you send me your questions, your thoughts as you listen today, and let's have that connection at least that way. Um, I don't want to have to look at fake book later today, so please just... uh, Just do this for me on my phone, 812-595-0250. Now, my wife about died last night when I gave out my phone number, but it's never been a secret, and it's sure not a secret now. So, 812-595-0250. And I do, I do want to hear from you, and I will respond as quick as I can after we're finished today. Well, in Matthew chapter 15 and also in Mark's gospel, the seventh chapter, we see an obscure account of a woman who comes to Jesus for help. Now, this account is so obscure that that's why I chose it today. It's one that I've never preached through, but it is one that holds great insight to this giant that we're going to look at today, this giant of insecurity. This giant of feeling like we never measure up, that we aren't good enough for whatever reason. And the reason why this is so obscure isn't that the woman comes to Jesus for help. There's all kinds of accounts of that in the New Testament. But what's so obscure about it is Jesus seems to call her a dog. He seems to refer to her as a dog. But as we're going to see, Jesus takes us in a, in a, in a direction that reveals several truths about this giant, but, but even more so the truth about his grace and his love for each one of us, no matter the circumstances of our past or our present condition. So let's read the account and then let's break it down together this morning. Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 21. Leaving that place. Now, Jesus was always moving from one location to another. And this is important, that Jesus was leaving one place and he was going to another. I want you to remember that. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman. Now, that's a descriptor right there. may not mean much to you, but it means something here. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out. Lord, Son of David. Son of David is another clue. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Verse 23. But Jesus didn't answer a word. So his disciples came to him and and urged him, Jesus, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. He answers. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. In verse 25, Lord, help me, she said. Jesus replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. There it is. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, it's no coincidence. It's no coincidence that this account follows... A teaching by Jesus to the Pharisees and the scribes. A teaching to his own disciples that were right there watching. If you look earlier in chapter 15 of Matthew, you'll see that Jesus was engaging the religious of his day. And they were addressing this issue of who was worthy. Who was good enough to come to the temple. Who could approach God in worship. And they were discussing about the foods that they ate and the foods that they don't eat and the things that that make them so unclean on the outside. And Jesus teaches there that what matters is on the inside, not what's on the outside. Remember, what comes out of us is truly what's inside of us. And so Jesus had just affirmed this principle that that moral impurity before God doesn't come as a result of what's on the outside, but what's on the inside, and then he demonstrates this principle by the way he engages a mother in need. And the first thing that Jesus addresses about this giant of unworthiness is the truth underneath that feeling of unworthiness. I want you to circle that word feeling, whether you just filled in the blank on your outline or maybe you're keeping a journal. Uh, One good friend last night texted me the notes that they were taking at home. Taking notes helps us to remember things, to be able to go back and solidify them in our mind. So I want you to circle that word feeling. Why? Because feelings are the result of how we process the circumstances at hand, if you think about that. Your feelings of anger, disappointment, sadness, joy. Feelings come from how we process the circumstances at hand with the tools, with the faith, and with the experience we have at that given moment. Maybe you feel like this woman. Maybe you feel like an outsider. That's why God includes the details about the woman being a Canaanite. This doesn't mean anything to us, but it means something here. She was part of a people group that had rejected God for the worship of idols. She had rejected God for the worship of idols. She knew enough about the reality of how she had lived her life rejecting God For some inanimate object, some feeling of the moment, she knew enough about the reality of a life lived of rejecting God to know that this opened her and her family up to all sorts of evil and terrible things. Matthew's specific in verse 22 to tell us that the child was suffering terribly. Other accounts in the Bible of demonic affliction give us a picture of what this little girl's suffering may have been like. We're told of one man who lived as a maniac among the tombs. In fact, that's so unique, I chose it for next week's subject on peace, as he will find peace. But his community tried to restrain him, So, but he was so strong that he broke the chains and shackles into pieces. We think that cutting is something new that we do today, but cutting existed way back then as he would cut himself with stones because of the emotional and the spiritual pain and deficit that he felt. We read of another man who had a son who was possessed by a spirit from childhood, a spirit that made the boy unable to speak. You remember him? The dad would watch him as his son would would helplessly foam at the mouth, gnash at the teeth, be thrown down on the ground in an epileptic type of gesture. This demon would try to throw the boy into water to drown him or put him into fire to, to harm him. It may be that this poor woman watched her daughter suffered in some of these ways or, or maybe in other ways. But yet this mom heard the good news and it gave her hope, rumors, that Jesus, the miracle-working prophet, the son of David, the Messiah, was in a house not too far away. Now put yourself in her shoes. At first, I'm sure she hesitated to go. She had no place there. You you heard the religious leaders earlier. The the people like her have no place in Jesus' presence. She's a despised Gentile, a Canaanite. She didn't have any right to expect anything from him. But even so, she knew that no matter what the risk, she was willing to take it. Even if it meant that she would be rejected. She had to go. Hoping. For mercy on her and her daughter. Verse 22. She comes to Jesus crying. Lord son of David. Have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And I want you to notice that what Jesus does next. Seems to validate. Those times in our lives. Those feelings that we have in our lives. When we feel unworthy when we feel not good enough to be in his presence, verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. How many times have you cried out to Jesus in your time of need and been met with silence? Does it not? Does it not make you feel as if he doesn't care? Does it not make you feel as if You are so despised that he has not a place for you. Perhaps you were even taught that in a church that you grew up in. Perhaps you've been told that by your own family. You'll never be good enough. Lord, son of David. Now here's what this mother didn't know. But you and I know because of her story and others in Scripture that we have at our fingertips to tell us everything that we need to know about God's character, Jesus' character. It may seem as if God's hoping to escape her notice. For whatever reason in your life, it may appear that that you're the kind of person he doesn't have much to do with. But here is where Jesus goes first in his conversation with this mother. I want you to notice the circumstances of Jesus being in our town to begin with. Matthew 21 says, verse 21 says, Jesus left the area where he had been teaching and went to a different place. Mark says in his account, he went to a house. In this community. Now those of you who know history and those of you who know all about Jesus' ministry, you know this is the first time that he stepped outside of Jewish territory. Okay, so there's some significance here. You don't have to know that. But what I want you to know is that Jesus, while he was on this earth, was very much human as much as he was God. Jesus would often take his disciples and they would go off together to a quiet place, a solitary place. Why? Because that's what you do. After you have a big moment of teaching like Jesus had just had with the scribes and the Pharisees and the disciples right there watching, what's he do? He pulls them off to the side and he says, hey guys, tell me your questions. Let's talk through this. Let's work through this. Jesus, yes, he would go off to himself. Why? Because he wanted to listen to the Father. He would go off and he would pray and he would let God speak to him. He would be still, as the psalmist said, and know that God is still God. Every time, though, that Jesus went to one of those solitary places, he would be interrupted, though. And that's the first clue. That's the benefit that we have from the written word today. If Jesus was human but also God, didn't he know he would be interrupted? Of course he did. Of course he did. He wasn't going to hide. He was going to find. He knew that this woman would be there. He knew he had appointed this day long before she was born and wrote it down in his book. He was prepared for it let's just say you don't know this about God. Jesus doesn't make any assumptions and so what he does next leads her to this next principle that we need to embrace when facing this giant. That is bringing my life into alignment with Jesus's grace and truth. The truth of his word is the only thing that will defeat this giant. Now there's some key words in that statement. It's not just knowing the truth, it's embracing it. It's engaging it. It is bringing my life into alignment with Jesus' grace and truth. Verse 23, Jesus is sitting there silently, but you know, I don't think the silence was directed at her. Have you ever thought about that? He wasn't ignoring her it was another teaching opportunity for the disciples. What do you do? Wednesday nights, how many of you were here? We saw Adam Weaver, one of David's disciples, right? David's been working with him, training him, developing him. And so instead of David or, or me or Brandon teaching on Wednesday night, what have you seen us do? We've been bringing some of these other young men along. And what do we do? We sit silently. And we let them deliver what they have been taught. What they've been shown. Is that not what Jesus is doing here? Isn't that what disciple makers do? Teachers do? We look to the person we're developing and we let them occasionally take the lead. The disciples were there earlier with Jesus when he he talked to these scribes and these Pharisees about what's on the outside than to find the person, but what's on the inside. Would the disciples see the need Would they hear her infantile faith as she said, son of David? That's a big clue. Would they see her need for him? Or would they dismiss her like the Pharisees and the others have based on her outer shell? It's why Jesus chose this place to go and rest to begin with, right? Right. Jesus sits silently, the disciples look at each other. And in verse 23, they may not have said it. But I've said it. And you've said it. Read between the lines. Jesus, she's like a dog. Let her deal with the consequences of her choices. You eat poop. You drink out of toilets. This is what happens. Right, Jesus? Send her away. She keeps barking. She keeps crying out after us. She needs to take responsibility for her choices. How many times have I in my young faith said the same thing, maybe not out loud, but in my heart, for people who have given themselves over to homosexual acts, sex outside of marriage, drugs or alcohol, pornography. Those who continue to make bad choice after bad choice, cheating husbands and cheating wives, wayward teenagers who hurt their parents so and then they show up at church down and out because of their choices. I've responded the same way as these young disciples have. I've looked at their outside instead of their deep need inside. Their heart and their soul. Now don't misunderstand me. Homosexuality Abortion, cheating, drug and alcohol abuse, they are all sinful choices. They are all sinful choices that dismiss God's plan and will for our lives. And these same choices, though, are what reveal the deep void inside of those outside Of his grace and his love yes Jesus was silent yes he didn't answer but he also didn't respond to the disciples assessment either instead he engages this mom look at verse 24 Jesus answered I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel and that's true and that's true Jesus was sent to the Jews. Jesus was sent for the Jews to reconcile them back to God in their sinful self. So that they could go into all the world teaching and preaching and baptizing. Jesus did not end his mission with the Jews. Jesus' mission was to the Gentile, to the Canaanites, the Greeks, the Romans, the Arabs, anyone who would call on his name. The Jewish people. But But Jesus demonstrates for us a reality that we face today in the church. There are some today who believe that the church is only for those who trust and follow God, that that people who are caught up in addiction, that those who have cheated on their spouses, those young people and old who have who've been tempted and have given in to homosexual acts, people who have cheated at their business, stolen from others, lived like hell, been possessed by the demons that they've awakened through their choices, Some believe his church aren't for them, but his church is open to them, that they would find his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. In fact, this very church itself is filled with people who, like them, were once lost but have now been found. They were once blind, but now we see. Jesus is about to drive this home, but not without uncovering a little bit more first about unworthiness. Look at verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him. That's a key word, knelt. I'm not talking just about physically kneeling. I'm talking about heart surrender. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. I've shared with many of you, especially you parents, that I believe there are very, very few true atheists. It's like all these other fringe groups out there today. They do not represent the United States. They represent fringes. But I believe there are very few true atheists. Why? Well, because this has come up over and over with parents whose teenage or college age children shout out to them in anger, I don't believe in God. All they're doing is attacking you at what's most important to you. I don't believe there's a God. I'm not going to church to pretend to believe in Him. It's come up in discussions with spouses who married someone outside of the church. And you've been unable to convince them To surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And, And your spouse goes so far as to say, I don't believe in God. Now from my experience, and granted it's only 25 years of experience. But from my experience with these children and adults and spouses and your co-workers. Is that the majority of them do believe in God. In fact they're free to use his name all the time, most of them. But they do believe in God, they just don't want to accept him. And one of the reasons is is they've had a bad experience with the church. They've had a bad experience with the church. And, And I used to, now 15 years ago, Bill Stone will tell you, when I came here after having a bad experience with the church myself, I didn't have much good to say about the bride of Christ. Luckily, I've been set straight that those that offended me in the past, all that was was a reflection of them. It was not a reflection of Christ and his church. But some of us, some, who, some of you who say that you're atheist, if you're really honest, if you're really honest, it's something in the past that's hurt you. And so you think by rejecting Jesus, by rejecting the church, that that frees you of that hurt. The second reason is that for many, God did not meet their expectations. And so they believe by denying him, they don't have to bow down to his expectations of of themselves to acknowledge that there is a God other than them, that there's one true and living God. Nonetheless, this woman confronted the giant head on when she not only came to Jesus, even though she felt unworthy, but she also bowed down to him. She knelt before him with her plea. You see, despite what she had witnessed from the disciples just then, who in their immaturity wanted to turn her away, despite the cultural things she had heard and lived in all of her life, denying the God of the Bible, living in a land where idol worship was rampant, what did she do? She bowed down to him. She laid her life and the life of her child at his feet. And I just want to ask you, Those of you who maybe feel unworthy today, or not good enough today, have you done the same? Are you willing to do the same? When you have felt most unworthy, either by your own standards or by the world around you, have you, will you, kneel before the living God and surrender to what He has to say? Not what you think He says. Or what someone else has told you. But what his word the Bible has to say. That's what this woman does. She wants his, God's response. Verse 26, Jesus again addresses the disciples and the woman when he says, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And there he is. He's calling her a dog, right? No. No. I detect a bit of sarcasm in his voice. Haven't you done that when you're in a situation with people that you're trying to teach? People who look at themselves a certain way. I once met with a man who confessed to me his homosexuality. And, and the first thing he said was, I'm sure you've heard this about me. And I said, well, I've heard what other people have to say, but I'm here to, to hear what you have to say. And he went on and he said, I've, I've had these desires ever since I was young. And he said, in the past, I've acted on them. He said, but I, I don't want to act on them. He said, I, you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. I, I call you the person who's seeking out God's help right now. I later baptized him. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Isn't that the way the disciples had treated her? Send her away. She's barking after us like a dog. Isn't that the way that she and the other Canaanites were living? Weren't they living like dogs? They wanted help, but they were unwilling to worship the one who who makes all things possible. Yes, I know scholars packed this section with a lot of symbolism. Going back to the Jews again, the children of Israel, and 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 uh, uh, Isaiah says that he's the bread of life, and and so this is a play on all of that. Yes, yes, but I, I think there's more because I think the word was written for you and me, who don't have all of that. And I think it's obvious here. Jesus, Jesus is doing what he does to all of us with his word. He's challenging her to look deeper into her life. Look at her response in verse 27. Listen to her confession. I know I'm not worthy of sitting at the table. These are my words. I know I'm not worthy of sitting at the table. I know I'm not worthy of you taking something from someone else and giving it to me. In other words, I've not confessed you as Savior and Lord. I, I, I wasn't raised a Jew. I wasn't raised as a Christian. And, and I realize that those are, our, they belong at your table. right? The Bible says that. But I'm at your feet. And I know that even a crumb of your grace and mercy on me and my daughter would be more than we could ever hope or imagine when living the life we've been living without you. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Verse 28, then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed from that very hour. I want you to notice Jesus doesn't toss her a crumb. He doesn't shake off the tablecloth. Instead, he gives her exactly what she needed. And we know that Jesus Christ did not stop with a crumb for you and me in all of our sin, in all of our wayward living, in all of our choices. But he gave him whole self. His very body. He became our bread of life when he went to Calvary. For God so loved the Jew and the Greek and the Gentile and the cheater and the abuser and the liar and the homosexual and the murderer that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. There's one last thing that I see from this encounter and it's perhaps the most important thing for you that are listening today or those of you in this room. And that is too much is at stake to walk away from Jesus. Too much. Too much is at stake to walk away from Jesus. Think about it. There are plenty of reasons this woman could have walked away that day. The disciples certainly weren't interested in her. Maybe you felt the same at times. That followers of Jesus aren't any different than the world. And sometimes immature Christians aren't. And we need to do better. But that's not a reflection of Jesus. That's a reflection of them. She could have stayed at home. She could have stayed at home. And many will today. Many will stay at home. And never have the encounter at all with Jesus. But in desperation she came. Jesus seems to refer to her as a dog many would have walked away at this point and many have just the words that I've spoken today identifying just touching the surface of our sin have offended some and they will go home and not return to his feet today sinners don't be like being Sinners don't like being called sinners. I know I don't. That's exactly what I am outside of Jesus Christ. We like to say we're all good people. We just don't go to church. We're good people. We're good Catholics. Heaven is, is for good people. I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to, to come before men and surrender to him. But when this woman knelt at his feet in faith, listen, when she stayed, when she stayed, she heard from Jesus his description of her and what mattered most. Woman, you, you have amazing, you have great, great faith. Those of you present this weekend and watching online, there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake to walk away from Jesus Christ. And there's only one way to conquer the giant of not feeling good enough or worthy enough. And that's to come to Him right now. It's to come to Him right now. He's made the first move. It's no mistake. It's no mistake that He's come to your region. It's no mistake that he's come to your home. It's no mistake that he is right here inhabiting the praise of the people who love him. It's no mistake that you are here. So what do you say? Will you come? Will you come and receive his grace and his love? Father, thank you for coming to our rescue in Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us, even when we were unlovable, even when we were as dogs, <laughs> drinking toilet water and eating our own waste. <laughs> Father, you offer so much more. You offer us love and grace and, and forgiveness. Oh, some of us say we don't need forgiveness. We were made this way or, or it's, it's, it's only a choice. Oh, but it's so much more to you who died for us. There's so many things, Father, that we're doing in our lives today that, that, oh, it may not be a physical demon like this little girl was possessed with, but we have opened up ourselves to all kinds of vile things. So many things, Father, that right now battle against us for our soul. Father, I pray... I pray that if I've misspoken today or if my words have come out different than you intended, that Lord, that Lord, your spirit would reach out. You're the one who calls people anyway. I pray that Lord, they would surrender to you today and that they would find what this woman found. Healing. A savior. And a Lord. Amen. If that's you this weekend, text me now. If that's you in this room, I want you to come as we stand and sing together.